The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast. I'm Ralph Russo, the college football writer with the Associated Press. This is the Bowl Preview Podcast. All the matchups are set, and as always, when I want to get deep in the college football weeds, I like to bring on Matt Brown from The Athletic. I don't know anyone who does a better job of keeping up with all 130 FBS teams than Matt. We will go through as many games as possible. In fact, we will hit them all. Even if it's only briefly, we will hit them all, though I am saving the college football playoff for later in the month. But other than that, we're going to try to knock out 37 bowl games. Thanks again for listening to the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast. You can find us on Podcast One. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, and if so inclined, give us a good review. And as usual, you can go to collegefootball.ap.org where you can read all of AP's college football coverage, and away we go. Joining me this week is Matt Brown from The Athletic. He is uh, editor at The Athletic. He's also an AP college poll voter, AP Top 25 voter, and has done a fine job on that. But there's no one who is uh, more um, knowledgeable about all of FBS. So when we're previewing the bowls, got to bring in Matt because, you know... Who else is going to be able to break down Tulane, Louisiana with us? Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm doing great and always enthusiastic to talk about every bowl game because I have an unhealthy obsession with them. Yeah, I'm so going to try to hit every game, but I also don't want this to be like a three-hour podcast. So I'm literally <laughs> going to put a stopwatch on us and try to make sure that we spend, at least with some games, maybe no more than like 30 seconds to 60 seconds, and then we'll expound on some others. We're going to sort of go through the calendar and highlight a few, and then circle back on ones that maybe deserve a little more time. But before we do that, because you have to ask this question, I think there is literally, you're contracted to ask this question to anybody who covers college football on the Monday after the college football playoff is set did the committee get it right yes my ap ballot agreed 100 with the committee at, the, at least in the top four and i i think it's georgia had its chance and i think the way it was talked about was almost as if georgia was 12 and 1 people was like forgot that they lost by 20 points to lsu that matters and you know if it's not like Georgia has a bunch of overwhelmingly incredible wins on its resume either. They have a solid resume. They have a good resume. They're a really good team. But, you know, I just don't want to give them too much credit for a loss. Um, you know, they played well against Alabama, but Syracuse almost beat Clemson. We're not talking about Syracuse in the top 10 here. So, you know, I think Georgia could very well be one of the top four teams. But, you know, as much as the committee says four best it's a combination of best and deserving and Oklahoma deserves that Oklahoma could be better than Georgia. And I think they've had a more accomplished season than Georgia. So I think Oklahoma deserves it. I think the committee got it right. Okay. My one quick take is I would have had Ohio state as number four, but that's neither here nor there. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but, uh, but but I do agree with you on the whole Georgia thing. I I just like, why are we playing these games? If we're just going to start throwing in the teams that lose, but they lose close. All right. The bowl season is here. My 
general first take of the matchups was, eh, you know, there's certainly a lot of them where I kind of felt like, oh, if you just had this team there, you certainly would have done better. And if you had this team there, that seemed to be more interesting. But I will try to watch them all, and I will enjoy them all. So I don't want to nitpick too much. And my favorite Saturday of the bowl season, or maybe my favorite day of the bowl season, is actually the first Saturday. And I know <laughs> there's nothing but mostly group of five teams playing, but I don't work that day. So this is the first Saturday I'll have to actually watch some college football like without having to worry about writing about it, you know, depending on coaching searches and things like that in a long time. So I really always look forward to the first Saturday. We're not necessarily going to break down every game in detail, but let's start with this. There are one, two, three, four, five games that day, as there usually are, running from the Cure to the New Orleans Bowl. Which is the best game or the most interesting game to you on that day? It's a really good day of games. I think maybe the most exciting game will probably be the New Mexico Bowl, um, North Texas and Utah State. Now, Utah State already lost coach Matt Wells. North Texas coach Seth Luttrell was maybe a candidate elsewhere. But, you know, it's two really good offenses. Mason Fine for North Texas can put up a ton of points, and Utah State's been averaging almost 50 points a game this season. So if you're looking for just the most purely entertaining football game that day, I think there's a good chance that one is it. But it's, you know, I, I really like the matchups on that day overall. So I think it's going to be a good day. I think in the New Mexico Bowl, I believe, has a sort of a history of bizarreness of like big, Correct. Com- big comebacks, <laughs> weird blowing of leads and things like that. So if you factor in sort of the weirdness of the New Mexico Bowl history, everything lines up really well there. The other thing is, you know, it, it is also interesting. Seth Luttrell's name has already come up as a candidate for the K-State job, normally, like Matt Wells, you know, you're, you're somebody comes in and steals your coach before the bowl game, but the way this is set up, because Bill Snyder just retired yesterday, North Texas could be allowed to play its bowl game, and then K-State could, if they really want to, and I'm sure other teams might be interested in Seth Luttrell, do the Seth Luttrell interview circuit. So he could get his bowl game in and then do, the, well, maybe, I, I maybe I'm stretching that. The early signing period does factor in. That's one problem. Yeah, that. that's a good point. Okay, I take all that back. But nonetheless, <laughs> Seth Luttrell is going to be on the uh, on the radar too. Uh, a quick rundown of who do you like in Tulane, Louisiana? I'm going to go with Tulane, who I just need to applaud because last year they missed a bowl game by an inch, yeah. literally, on the last play of the season. They, and they and I still think short. that they got in. By the way, I still think that was a touchdown. <laughs> and then this year... Willie Fritz rolls the dice again. They went for two in the win in the last game against Navy, and they got it, and they got to a bowl game. So I thought they were going to be a better team this year. I thought they were going to go bowling, and they, again, did it in his dramatic fa- fashion. But uh, I like the Green Wave, who had a pretty strong finish to the season. Yeah, I was actually impressed with how Louisiana hung in there against App State yeah. in the Sun. I mean, they, they ended up losing by, I think, 12 or 13 points. But I, I thought App State was going to roll them, and they and they did at least hang in there. I'll make my picks in print. I'm going to hold Matt's to the fire. I think I would lean Tulane there. Uh, North Texas, Utah State, who do you like there? I'm going to go with Utah State, who I do have at number 25 in my AP ballot, and I think this could be a competitive game. Utah State hasn't beaten a lot of you know, winning teams with winning records, but uh, I think they have been the better team overall this season and, and play in a stronger conference, so I'm going to go with the Aggies. Yeah, the the interesting thing there is it's always hard to gauge how these teams that are playing without coaches 
do. You're literally just guessing. Sometimes, you know, the staff kind of stays behind and they rally up and it ends up going great. And other times it becomes a team coming out completely flat. So that's always an issue when you're dealing with bowl season motivation, but especially where teams that have coaching changes. The glitzy game of the day is number 21 Fresno State. I don't know if they're 21 in the AP poll. That's, I think, the college football playoff ranking. But Fresno State against Arizona State. Arizona State's a one power five team playing that day in the Las Vegas Bowl. Kudos to Herm Edwards, who I think we all thought you know could be a disaster. He had a nice season. I, I, you know, I don't want to put too many plaudits on him, but He had a very nice season in year one. Fresno State's been amazing over the last two years with Jeff Tedford, including winning the Mountain West this weekend. Uh, What do you think about that one? This should be a good game here. You know, Herm Edwards, if he wins, will have as many wins as Kevin Sumlin and Chip Kelly combined in year one. So let's not (laughs) overstate it, but, you know, he was the maligned hire there, and they've at least been solid this season. They've They've done a nice job. Um, but I, I think I like Fresno State here. I don't think we can say enough about what Jeff Tedford has done. This was a team that was 1-11 the year before he arrived. And they won double-digit games back-to-back seasons. They win the Mountain West. And they've been really good on both sides of the ball. I, I think they've been a top 25 team pretty much all year. Um, yeah, they lost to Minnesota. But you know, th- this is a really good team, a really balanced team. And I'm going to go with, with the Bulldogs to get to 12 wins this year. Eastern Michigan lip synced a video to make sure that they, you know, <laughs> appealing to bowl committees to get them into a game. They probably didn't necessarily need to do that. They won seven games this year. They faced Georgia Southern in the uh, Camellia Bowl down in Montgomery. I believe that one is Montgomery. A uh, little Georgia Southern option football. What you like here? Yeah. Speaking of turnarounds, can we give credit to Eastern Michigan where it shouldn't be, you know, they deserve credit anytime they go to a bowl game. Uh, this is the second time since 1987. Chris Creighton's done a really good job. They were a hard luck team last year. They lost some close games again this year. Uh, you know, Georgia Southern has had a, a turnaround as well. I'm going to lean toward Eastern Michigan. I think this is going to be a toss up game. Um, you know, the Eagles have a lot of experience playing close games. I think they're going to pull one out this this time. We talked about teams that could be without their coach in the New Orleans Bowl. Pretty good matchup. Sunbelt champ, Appalachian State, CUSA. And it, by the way, I'm not the only one who gets those wrong. Um, CUSA runner-up, Middle Tennessee. It's so hard to tell those leagues apart at this point. In the New Orleans Carrier Bowl. Now, App State could very well be without Scott Satterfield. Uh, you know, he's interviewing, I believe, today at Louisville. He seems to be their top candidate. He could be gone by then. But I think Appalachian State is the better team here. But again, factor in the idea that there's some coaching uncertainty. Yeah, that is the wild card here because you look at it's possible App State won't have its coach for this game. Meanwhile, Middle Tennessee, it's the last game of the partnership between coach and quarterback, father, son here. Uh, Rick Stockstill and Brent Stockstill, they kind of broke through this year, fell short of the Conference USA title. But, you know, good team. Uh, Stockstill's a, a kind of an underrated quarterback, I think, nationally. The career he's had, he's had some injuries, but has done a really great job throughout his career. But, you know, as you said, I still think App State is the better, more complete team. They've, you know, from the start of the season, they you know, they they – came very, very close to winning at Penn State. They've been a really well-coached team all year. Maybe they won't have their coach, but um, with, with a healthy Zach Thomas, a quarterback, I, I like App State to win. Yeah, it should be noted, App State's other loss was at Georgia Southern. Got beat pretty badly. Also lost Thomas, I believe, in like the first or second series of that game, which definitely changed the outcome of that, or at least changed the tenor of that game. We have uh, 
three games the following week in the weekdays, and I'll just combine them all together here, and you can tell me which one is uh, most intriguing to you. You have UAB against Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois won the MAC, and kudos to them. Great comeback against Buffalo. Didn't have a whole lot of offense for most of the year and sort of pieced it together. So really good job by Rod Carey there. UAB is Lazarus, and they're playing the Boca Raton Bowl. On Wednesday, December 19th, San Diego State at Ohio is an interesting game. In the Frisco Bowl, Thursday, December 20th is the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. <laughs> Thank God for lawn mowing pirates. In That's Marshall at South Florida. South Florida playing like close to home, basically, or actually in home. They play that game in Raymond James. They used to play it in the baseball stadium, but now I'm disappointed in that. I w- I'm, I'm going to miss the horrible turf in the Tampa Bay in the Tampa Bay Rays stadium, but. Oh, well, <laughs> a stadium that truly is good for nothing, right? It's not good for baseball, and that's what it's built for. And it was so bad at hosting a bowl game, they took it out of that. So out of those three games, which one is most interesting to you? I'll go with that UAB Northern Illinois game in the Boca Raton Bowl. Um, it's, you know, uh, it's not going to be the most exhilarating game, I don't think, in terms of points. Mm-hmm. You got a team that, you know, UAB is giving up 17.3 points per game. They're top 10 in scoring defense nationally. Northern Illinois is number 12 in yards per play allowed on defense. It's been two really good defenses all year. You know, you can't beat the UAB story. They literally didn't play football two years ago. And now they're nine and three. They won Conference USA. It's an incredible story, and they're a good football team. You know, they were at least competitive for a while against Texas A&M a few weeks ago. You know, Northern Illinois, you know, had a rough non-conference season against a really tough schedule, uh, but you know, they they do what they always do. It seems and rose to the occasion in the MAC. So it should be a good defensive game. I'm going to go with UAB and to, to cap the great story to win the game, but I think it should be a, a good one and. You know, can't beat that storyline with the Blazers. Yeah, they're defenses that kind of do the same things, which is they create negative plays and they have good like edge rushers, Sutton Smith for Northern yep. Illinois most notably. These teams ranked third and fifth in the country in tackles for loss this season. So, uh, yeah, it, this is definitely not going to be North Texas. Um, now I forgot who North Texas is playing. We're only 10 minutes into this. I'm Utah forgetting State. Teams. Utah yeah, State. yeah. North Texas, Utah State will be one type of football. This will be a very different type of football. But if you like defense and really good pass rush, UAB Northern Illinois could be for you. A quick winner on San Diego State, Ohio. I'm going to go with Ohio. I think they've played better down the stretch. Um, and, you know, again, San Diego State is in the tougher conference. It's kind of tougher road here. But, uh, you know, Ohio's played well lately and they are – in the top 10 national yards for play, I've come on strong. So I'm going to go with Frank Solich and I guess would probably be a slight upset. Yeah, I don't know if I trust these MAC teams going no. forward. But I, I must admit, San Diego State's had a weird year. Like, they've been, it's a good year for Rocky Long, but like, Boy, every game is like really close, and like the metrics don't like particularly love them. But they're uh, not as good as they have been. They're definitely not as good as they've had been in the recent years. And a pick on Marshall, South Florida, which to me is one of the least interesting games, mostly because South Florida comes into this thing playing just terribly. It's kind of amazing that they were undefeated at midseason. Yeah, and right. You look at like they're ninety third now in ESPN's FPI. They were six and zero, right? Yeah. Uh, so. I- I'm going to go with Marshall. I just don't think anything's going right for South Florida right now. And, 
Yeah, you know, it is a road game for Marshall, but I don't think anybody's particularly excited about the Bulls right now in Tampa. On Friday, December 21st, there are two games. One is Florida International. Butch Davis actually outdid Lane Kiffin, whose uh, FAU team is staying home for this uh, bowl season. So it'll be Florida International against Toledo. Toledo has one of my favorite coaches and Jason Candle, who I, I'm surprised isn't getting a few more looks. BYU plays Western Michigan in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Uh, that was where BYU ended up landing in a season where they didn't have a bowl tie-in. So a couple of MAC teams going in there. Bahamas Bowl, FIU Toledo, Western Michigan, BYU, and the Potato Bowl. Which one is the more appealing matchup, Matt Brown? I cannot go against my own personal beliefs and, and go against the Bahamas Bowl here. I <laughs> love the Bahamas Bowl every year. And it is also sponsored by a town next to O'Hare Airport in Chicago. So it has extra weird, interesting facts about it this year. Um, I think I, I am more interested in that because I think we need to give Butch Davis credit for what he's done at FIU. All of the attention on Lane Kiffin. And if Butch Davis wins this game, he will have more wins in his first two years at FIU than Lane Kiffin has in his first two years at FAU. Uh, be, would be They both have 16 right now. So I'm going, and I'm going to go with FIU getting that win in Butch Davis. We have Western Michigan, uh, BYU. Just give me a pick there. BYU has, you know, six and six, but I got to think that they're better than a six and six Western Michigan team. They've just faced tougher competition. Yeah, I agree there. I, I'm going to go with the Cougars. I think they'll uh, probably shut down the Broncos defensively and win the game. On December 22nd, the Birmingham Bowl has Memphis at Wake Forest. There's going to be a lot of points in that one. <laughs> Neither of those teams play a lick of defense. We also have uh, Houston at Army in the Armed Forces Bowl. We have Buffalo, one of my favorite teams. And I was a little disappointed that they didn't win the MAC because, boy, they got some serious dudes on that team against one of the better coaches out there in the group of five, and that's Neil Brown from Troy. So Buffalo, Troy in the Dollar General Bowl, played in Mobile, and the Hawaii Bowl, unfortunately not on Christmas Eve this year, so I don't know how I'm going to get my present wrapping (laughs) done. Hawaii versus Louisiana Tech in the Hawaii Bowl. Which of those four games is most interesting, Matt? This is a pretty good day. I'm going to go with the Armed Forces Bowl because Army still could win 10 games if it beats Navy, and it could be going for 11 wins. It's ranked in the AP poll for the first time in 22 years. Um, and in this bowl game last year, you may remember Army holding the ball for like 42 minutes yes, against San incredible. Diego State. San Diego State seemingly had a big play every time it touched the ball, but it was like the Army-Oklahoma game. Army just played keep away the whole game and ended up winning. Um, and in this case, you know, Houston, without Ed Oliver, their run defense has been horrible lately. They gave it 401 rushing yards to Memphis. Um, I, you know, I like watching Army's offense right now. They're a good team. You know, I think Army's going to win that game. Um, but it's a good day of games that day. It should be pretty fun, despite the fact that there's no Power 5. T- or Wake Forest is the only Power 5 team playing that day. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's fun to watch Army. A quick pick in Memphis-Wake Forest, and uh, give me an over-under on that, too. I'm going to go with Memphis. I think Daryl Henderson over-under is 250 rushing yards. <laughs> I mean, seriously. So <laughs> like, there is no defense being played by either of these two teams. This game could easily get into like the winner gets 60 area. Yes. Buffalo Troy. This is a good matchup. Buffalo, as you mentioned, has, has some NFL players there. And I was kind of surprised they didn't finish the job in the Mac. I'm going to go with the Bulls and what could be, you know, the last game for Tyree Jackson if he leaves early at quarterback. They have a great receiver, Anthony Johnson. Uh, I'm going to go with Lance Leopold in Buffalo, uh, finishing the job, getting 11 wins, which would be huge for that program, given where it's been in the past. Yeah, two interesting coaches there, right? Like, Neil Brown is sort of the up-and-comer that people talk about because he's in his 30s and he's got some young swagger appeal to him. But Lance Leopold is, 
you know, the former Division three coach from Wisconsin Whitewater who's got a ton of titles there, and he really has done an amazing job of Buffalo. I have a sneaky suspicion both of those guys could be in Power 5 jobs, if not this cycle, maybe at the end of yeah. next year. Hawaii-Louisiana Tech, again, like Hawaii was everybody's sort of fun team early in the season – but they really dropped off toward the end when they started playing better competition. Yeah, it, it's true. And But I'm going to go with Hawaii, I think, at home. Louisiana Tech's been kind of uneven. They do have some great defenders, so, you know, it'll be an interesting matchup there. Jalen Ferguson, a defensive end, is a great player. But I'm going to go with Hawaii to win at home. We saw them a couple of years ago score score 52 against Middle Tennessee. I don't think they're going to score that much, but I think they win with that advantage. On Wednesday, December 26th, we get some Power 5 teams now coming into the mix. Some Power 5, Power 5 matchups, if that's your thing. BC against Boise State in the first responders bowl in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. We have Minnesota and Georgia Tech in the Quick Lane Bowl over in Detroit, which just always gets the weirdest matchups. Just What a great game for Paul Johnson's. Family. Yeah, Paul Johnson gets to go out. <laughs> Merry Christmas in Detroit. Yeah, the day after Christmas in Detroit against Minnesota. And... Cal versus TCU in the Cheez-It Bowl, which is my favorite just because Cheez-Its, man, uh, at Chase Field in Phoenix. Which of those three tickles your fancy? These aren't the best games, given that I'm just really disappointed in TCU season after being on that bandwagon in the preseason. So I'm going to go with Boston College, Boise State. Uh, BC has shown signs of life this season, but kind of a disappointing record. Um, but, you know, they have some NFL players in that defense. And, you know, Boise State fell short in the Mountain West, but they are a you know really strong team, top 25 caliber team as usual. So I think that's going to be a pretty good game, pretty good matchup. So I'm going to go with Boise State to win that game, but I think it should be a pretty good one. I am a little disappointed, more than a little disappointed in BC. I sort of hitched yeah. my wagon to there, to, to them at, at a certain point in the season and thought, wow, you know, yeah, not that they're going to challenge Clemson, but this could be a nine win team. It could be a real special season. And Boy, uh, really disappointed in the fact that they couldn't get it together and finish with just a 7-5 and record again. Having A.J. Dillon be hurt a lot of the year certainly didn't help, but but I still think it's a disappointing year for B.C. You think Paul Johnson goes out a winner? I really hope so. I think so. Minnesota's a weird team in that they did just you know destroy Purdue, beat Wisconsin pretty bad, but also gave up 55 points to Illinois, and that's all happened in the last month. <laughs> so I don't really know what to make of them, but I'm going to go with Georgia Tech going out on top here for Paul Johnson. Cal, TCU. I wasn't as high on TCU early in the year. I actually thought that they were a team that was sort of primed to disappoint. Now, a ton of injuries really was at the root of why Gary Patterson yeah. had a team that only went 6-6. Six and six, So I couldn't have necessarily predicted that. But still a really good season for Gary Patterson, to, in my eyes, to keep it together and just get to a bowl, considering all the injuries, considering the instability at quarterback. So who do you like there between them and Cal? I think TCU's defense has gotten better down the stretch. You know, they had a couple of rough patches, but I'm going to lean toward the Horned Frogs. Still feels weird to say about a Cal game, but this could be a pretty good defensive game. Exactly. I had a hard time getting a hold of Cal. I mean, definitely they, they're definitely making strides under Justin Wilcox. Yeah. But they just also look like they have no idea what they're doing offensively, more often than not when I look at them. And I, I think it's mostly a personnel issue. They just don't have good quarterback play, and I think they're still trying to figure out what exactly the personality of the offense should be. Thursday, December 27th, there are three games. 
Temple versus Duke in the Independence Bowl at Shreveport. I always have a soft spot for that bowl because I got to cover it a few times when I was working <laughs> in Mississippi, including the Snow Bowl between Mississippi State and Texas uh, A&M way back when. I've never been more jealous of anybody than you just saying that you were at that game. Oh, my so. God. Okay, my favorite we, can br- we can break off for a second here, and, and I'll, <laughs> I'll spin a yarn for you. Because I was relatively new to the South back then, too. I think that was only my second year living down there. You know, you know you're not getting a lot of snow in Jackson, Mississippi, which is where I live. Occasionally, you'd see like a sprinkle or a flurry, but none that ever stuck to the ground. And Mississippi State was playing, so I drove over to Shreveport, which is a little farther north. And right before the game started, it started snowing blizzard snow. Like, whiteout type of snow. And I'm a northerner and I know I'm in the south, but like, you know, so I remember asking somebody in the press box and like needless to say, the press box, maybe it's improved since then. But the press box at Independent Stadium is enclosed, but not really, you know, like, I mean, like there are drafts everywhere in that press box. So it's freezing. You can kind of feel the snow coming through and at some point I turned to somebody who I didn't necessarily know, an older gentleman, and said, is this normal? Does this ever (laughs) happen here? And he kind of laughed and said, I've been living here all my life, and I've never seen anything like this. (laughs) So, And it was an amazing football game. I've... This says more about me than anything, but I've probably seen that game like 10 times because ESPN Classic puts it on all the time. And it was an amazing football game, and just... I. Always remember that game, and I root for snow in that game every year, even though it'll probably never happen again. Yeah, crazy game, like returned extra points, uh, and Wayne Madkin just like reaching for the end zone <laughs> with his you know face down in the snow for the winning touchdown. It was great. And you know, there was another thing: the story going into that game was Jackie Sherrill facing Texas A and M. Yes, because he had because he had coached the Texas A and M and sort of gotten them in trouble with the NCAA and eventually he got Mississippi State in trouble with the NCAA. So that was the the big storyline going into that game. And I remember like trying to write that into my story and my editor like, dude, like it's snowing. Like everybody who's watching this game <laughs> is watching like the snow. Like you can't hammer that enough. Forget that other angle. Just go with the snow. So generally speaking, go with the snow is a good way to go, young sports writers. Anyway, that was my Independence Bowl riff. Back to the games of that day. Thursday, December 22nd, Independence Bowl, Temple versus Duke. We had the Pinstripe Bowl, Miami versus Wisconsin, which is just a horrible matchup in so many ways. (laughs) And I don't know how the Pinstripe Bowl got stuck with it. Two teams that played each other last year in the Orange Bowl both had miserably disappointing seasons. Now you send them to the Bronx. It's a terrible game in so many ways. Um, speaking of cold press boxes. And by the way, yes, open stadium, open air press box. It's a bad dynamic when you have two teams that had very disappointing seasons and you stick them in a game where they will be disappointed to go. And it'd be one thing, too, if, you know, one of those teams was like local. If you got like Syracuse playing or whatever in New York, these are teams that are not exactly, you know, close to New York. I'm curious to see how the fans show up for that one, potentially in the cold, where it's just you know, two preseason top 10 teams, exactly. um, literally two of we, we had three preseason top 10 teams who ended up unranked Auburn, the other one. Um, and yeah, so a lot of disappointment there. And 
I don't know what to think about that game because they are very strange teams this year. The, the other point about the, those teams, and this is just growing up in New York, you'd be surprised how many Wisconsin and Miami students. I do believe that, yeah. Wisconsin is probably the third or fourth most popular Big Ten school from the New York area. I guess maybe a little farther down the list now that Penn State and Rutgers are in the Big Ten because Michigan and Ohio State were in there. But Wisconsin sort of right after that bunch. And Miami, there's a ton of New Yorkers that go down to Miami for all the obvious <laughs> reasons because you end up going to college near grandma right that's like part of the appeal <laughs> yeah we'll send you to college down to Miami that's cool and you'll be near grandma if anything goes wrong Baylor and Vanderbilt is the late game that night at the uh, outdoors Texas Bowl these names they're, they have like multiple sponsors <laughs> now on some of these bowls so Baylor Vandy at what used to be the Houston Bowl it's the Texas Bowl and it's played in Houston so which of those three games now that I've given you far too much material to work with is most interesting to you it's not Baylor Vanderbilt. I'm sorry to say that seems like the most mediocre matchup I've ever heard of. Um, <laughs> both six and six teams. Oh gosh, Jonathan Taylor <laughs> against the Miami defense is a really good matchup. For all of the faults of those teams, mm-hmm. Miami's defense is really good. Mm-hmm. It's been their offense that's the problem all year. And Wisconsin, for all of their faults this year, Jonathan Taylor is trying to go for two thousand yards, and like all of their off- offensive linemen have been named All America or All Big Ten. Um, so in that sense, there is a good matchup in that game that I'm excited to watch. I think Miami wins the football game with its defense. Gotcha. Temple Duke, who do you like there? I'm going to go with Temple Duke has been pretty erratic down the stretch. They scored a total of 13 points in their last two games, including a seven point outing against Wake Forest, which was extremely baffling. I'm going to go with the Owls who played really well the second half of the season. Uh, Baylor Vandy in the, uh, matchup of six and six teams. I'll go with Baylor. You know, Matt Rule's done a nice job improving that team. They're clearly, you know, a big step forward from last year. So I'm going to go with the Bears to win uh, in what's effectively a home game. Okay, so we've hit about the 25 minute mark. I am going to we're going to take a little break here. We're going to get back with some of the more meteor games. We're going to not do the college football playoff games. I'll, I'll, I'll preview those games at a later podcast. We might have to pick up the pace a little bit, eh, or maybe not. We'll be back with Matt Brown on the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast right after this. And we're back on the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast with Matt Brown from The Athletic. And we are doing a bowl preview. We are trying to hit every single one of them. God help us all. Friday, December 28th is, uh, and now again, we're into Power 5 teams at this point. And we have the Music City Bowl, Purdue at Auburn. That's an interesting matchup. We have the Camping World Bowl down in Orlando, West Virginia at Syracuse. And Iowa State and Washington State in the Alamo Bowl. Which is the best one of those games? Well, here's the weird thing is that when the bowl matchups came out, I was disappointed. It's like, why is the Alamo Bowl not Washington State, West Virginia? Mm -hmm. Holgerson Leach would have been great. But... Consolation prize is West Virginia Syracuse could also have 100 points. So I, I like that Campion World Bowl matchup. Um, you have, you know, the the Will Greer in West Virginia, that offense against the, you know, tempo of Syracuse, um, a breakthrough season for the Orange. I think that should be a lot of fun. I think West Virginia is the better team. I like the Mountaineers to win the game, but I, I think that just if you like points again, that one should be a ton of fun. Yeah, the Iowa State, it, it's hard for Bulls to pass up on Iowa yes. State because the Iowa State fans, man, they show up. Uh, so who do you like in Iowa State, Washington State? Washington State with a history under Leach of, of face-planting in bowl games. I'm going to go along with that. They Maybe they're you know disappointed in 10-2. They got left out of the New Year's Six. A lot of people feel like that's a snub. Iowa State will be, you know, I, as you said, the, the fans always show up. I think they'll be fired up. I'm going to go with the Cyclones to win that one. 
Purdue, Auburn, Auburn has been terrible offensively and uh, really good defensively. Purdue has Jeff Brom and Rondell Moore and a good offense, but hasn't been nearly as good defensively this year. Be a hell of a win for Purdue. I know this is not a vintage Auburn team, but for Purdue to beat Auburn, just let that sort of wash over you. Purdue to beat Auburn would be a big deal. <laughs> yeah, so Auburn should win this game. It is the more talented football team. For all its faults in offense, it, it has a lot of talent on defense. It's a good, you know, there's a lot of good players in that team. But you know what? Purdue beat Ohio State by 29 points. Weird things can happen. They're fired up that Jeff Brom is staying. Uh, there's a lot more, I think, just motivation, good feeling around that Purdue team right now than whatever mess has been happening at Auburn. Um, so you know what? It's an upset. I'm going with the Boilermakers. Saturday, December 29th is when the college football playoff games are played. To tune up for the college football playoff, we have three bowl games. The Chick-fil-A Bowl, we'll do the New York Six games too. The Chick-fil-A Bowl, Florida and Michigan, because why not play Florida and Michigan again when you could have had UCF in Florida? But that's another story for another day. Florida and Michigan in the Peach Bowl. South Carolina and Virginia in the beloved Belk Bowl. Arkansas State and Nevada, so that's a little group of five taste for you if you haven't gotten enough of that. In the Arizona Bowl, which of those prelims to the playoff is best? Well, it does feel like we've seen like 500 Florida Michigan bowl games. Like it, it just seems really like it happens every year. It only seems that way. Yeah, <laughs> but it has been, it, there has been quite a few of them, but it only seems that way. Like it's the biggest game. It's, you know, two teams that are in the top 10. It's, I'm most excited to watch that one, I guess you could say. Um, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see how Florida finishes this season out. It's been a you know better than expected season. I still do think they have some problems on their offensive line. If you get some pressure on Felipe Franks, you know, we'll see who's playing in this game for Michigan. But I, I think Michigan is the better team. Florida's probably a little bit overrated. Um, not that they don't deserve this spot. I just, you know, I, I don't know if they've been a top ten team. So I, I think Michigan is going to win the game, but I, I do think it should be pretty close. It's also interesting just because, again, there's so much attention on Harbaugh and how Michigan is doing under Harbaugh. And if you lose a bowl game, that would be three straight bowl losses, I think. So all the, the little points, like Harbaugh's overall record is good, but all the points within that record that are sort of important he doesn't do well on if you micromanage his record against the rivals and and in bowl games so losing to florida in a bowl game which he beat florida in a bowl game in his first year would sort of make you feel again like harbaugh hasn't had a very good year at michigan who wins south carolina or virginia virginia man like i just i still can't get over the fact that they lost virginia tech i just i still can't get over the fact they lost that game They've had some depth issues and it's just, you know, they got all that excitement briefly in the middle of the season and then, you know, they, they stumble and, and, you know, they are, they have improved. They're a better team than they've been, but I think we see some of the Jake Bentley we saw against Clemson and, and I like South Carolina to win that game uh, in the bubble. Bowl. Arkansas State, Nevada, and let me put this in here. Jay Norvell was a hire that I was very skeptical when Nevada made that hire. Yep. Former offensive coordinator and uh, and wide receivers coach at Oklahoma and a few other schools. He's done a nice job. They've been pretty – they won eight games this year, if I'm getting that correct. So good job by them. Arkansas State, Nevada. Arkansas State a little down this year, relatively speaking, to Arkansas State. Who do you like there? I think it's a good game, actually. It's kind of under-the-radar fun. And two teams that can pass the ball average over 280 yards passing per game each. Um, I'm going to lean toward Arkansas State with the win. 
but I think this is a toss-up and just a sneaky, fun game, kind of overshadowed by the the playoff of New Year's Six that day. Yeah, sneaky, fun game that no one will be watching on exactly. CBS. On CBS Sports. <laughs> well, but here's the deal: it's not even like the the lead-in on ABC or ESPN. <laughs> it's on CBS Sports Network. Nobody's going to know this thing is going on. But <laughs> this is why I have three TVs. It'll be on the the small TV in the corner. Yeah, I'll be preparing <laughs> for the Cotton Bowl, so maybe I'll be I'll, I'll squeeze in a little bit of this. And I, by the way. Very happy the Cotton Bowl is the early game this year because that's what I'm covering. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. It's just yay me. Okay. December 31st, New Year's Eve, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Very cool. Just a very good day of games. Starting off with the Military Bowl, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, man. They managed to get in there. Uh, and the Bowl streak is at 26 years, I believe it is. The Sun Bowl, God bless the Sun Bowl, always, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon on December 31st. Stanford at Pittsburgh also always gets stuck with the most awkward matchups because the conferences, the Pac-12 and the ACC, always tend to send the teams that aren't traveling well to the Sun Bowl. <laughs> so, but Stanford at Pitt's a pretty interesting matchup. What used to be, I think, the Foster's Farms Bowl now is the Red Box Bowl. It's the game in Levi Stadium. Uh, Michigan State, Oregon, kind of interesting. The Liberty Bowl is Missouri, Oklahoma State. Might as well just play a Big 12 game. Northwestern and Utah in the Holiday Bowl, which will be the very most anti-Holiday Bowl ever. That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't get uh, you couldn't get two teams that would be more unlike the tradition of the Holiday Bowl. NC State, Texas A&M in the Gator Bowl. Some good choices there. What's the best one? Yeah, it's a good day of games, although I can't say I'm like, I don't look at any and say, I'm really fired up to watch that. It's a good, solid day of games. I guess Missouri-Oklahoma State in the Liberty Bowl should probably be pretty fun. Oklahoma State's been a really erratic team this year in that they've you know, beaten some really good teams and just fallen flat on their face in other games. And so they're sitting at 6-6 six and six despite the fact that they you know, have these big wins on their resume. Um, and then Missouri is a team that just started 0-4 in the SEC and has become really sneaky good. They're in the AP poll this week. I had them on my ballot last week. Uh, you know, the advanced stats love them. They, they could, they're really close to being 10 and two, you know, the game they lost to South Carolina, the game they lost to Kentucky easily could have gone the other way. Um, so I think that should be a fun game. I like Missouri to win, but it should be a fun one. And, and right up there too, I will say NC state, Texas A&M I'm interested in because Texas, cause NC state's nine and three. It, it just feels like a really thin nine and three. And we still don't even know how good that team is. Um, and Texas A&M's obviously had, you know, they lost a couple, uh, to, to the top two teams in the country, and they pulled out that seven-overtime game against LSU. I just think that should be a good matchup, and maybe we're going to learn something about NC State finally because I still don't know how good they are, but I, I like Texas A&M to win that game. Yeah, I would say you, you got to pick Texas A&M, and I don't think there there is no more Big 12 team this year than Oklahoma State. They epitomize <laughs> the Big 12, beating West Virginia and Texas, almost beating Oklahoma losing to Baylor and Kansas State and TCU. <laughs> that pretty much sums up the Big 12 in that it really is the league where anything can happen. Quick rundown, Cincinnati, v- Virginia Tech. Boy, I-, I would probably lean towards the Bearcats there. I agree. I like Cincinnati here. Uh, Virginia Tech, I-, I think they're – it's weird to say they are just happy to be here in, in the military bowl because they actually did extend their bowl streak. But, you know, Cincinnati doesn't have huge wins this year, really, but you know, they're, they're a good, solid team, good defensive team. Virginia Tech's had unexpected problems on defense. I'm going to go with the Bearcats to get to 11 wins in a great year two for Luke Fickle. Okay, Stanford-Pittsburgh, which I think the good news, this game, it, I'm thinking 305, maybe even 258. Like, you could get this game in in under three hours. 
I must mention that is the 10th anniversary of the 2008 Sun Bowl in which Pitt lost to Oregon State 3-0. to zero. And <sighs> can we can we break the three-point total? I don't know. I think <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I, I think there will be more points. I'm going to go with Stanford to win this game. I think it actually will be a pretty good game. Uh, Michigan State, Oregon, uh, hearkening back to uh, just not that long ago when Michigan State, Oregon played a home and home, and they were both like top ten teams. If Justin Herbert is going to play, it sounds like he is going to. Correct. Mm-hmm. I, I think Oregon has the advantage because Michigan State's offense has just been uh, pretty dreadful for most of the season. Yeah, Michigan, um, Michigan and- State, I believe, wins the award for the team that most wasted a good defensive performance. Yes, their defense is pretty good, and they Miami's right zero up there. Help. I'm going to say they're okay. very similar teams. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Oregon to win that game, though. And if her, as long as Herbert is playing and healthy and playing, then I think Oregon wins that game. They're the better team. So Northwestern is just a miracle team, and that the only thing that they do well is not draw penalties. They are unbelievable. <laughs> they're, they're a team that made it to the Big Ten championship game while being outgained on the season. That is hard to do, folks. So Northwestern and Utah, who do you like there? AP or. Uh, Fans have been mad at me because I kept leaving Northwestern out of my AP ballot because I just don't think they're that good. <laughs> Credit to them. They've won the games, but they're also winless in non-conference play. And uh, Utah was a team I was I loved going into the season. You know, they have had big injury problems, but they're still a really good defensive team. They did not give up an offensive touchdown in the Pac-12 championship game. <laughs> so I, I like the Utes to win the game. Tuesday, January 1st, the traditional day with lots of big bowl games, but actually not as many as there are on New Year's Eve because that's what college football has become these days. But some good matchups. Mississippi State, Iowa, Outback Bowl, LSU, UCF in the Fiesta Bowl. Probably should have been UCF, Florida, and LSU, Michigan, but that's okay. Kentucky, Penn State in the Citrus Bowl. Washington, Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is always wonderful. And the Sugar Bowl later that night is Texas and Georgia. That's a good slate. I mean, I almost yeah. want to say, like, okay, like, how about we'll break it into two here. Of the non-New Year's six bowls, which is the best of those three? Uh, Kentucky, Penn State, because Mississippi State, Iowa, the over-under might be 10. Um, Mississippi State's defense is fantastic. Iowa, we know, always can play pretty good defense. Uh, I, I think Mississippi State is going to win that game, but it's it just should be. I think it'll be pretty ugly. Penn State, Kentucky. Um, this is Kentucky's first New Year's Day bowl game since the Outback Bowl in 1998, in which Penn State beat Tim Couch in Kentucky. Mm. Um, I, I think the Nittany Lions have been uneven this year, you know, but Trace McSorley looks healthier in the season finale against Maryland. And that's a huge key for them. Their defense quietly got better over the course of the season. They have some young players who are really stepping up. So I think Penn, you know, obviously Kentucky can run the ball. They have a good defense too. I think Penn state's a little bit more complete with the passing game. If McSorley's healthy. So I like the Nittany Lions to win, which should be a pretty good citrus bowl with, with some really good players there. Yeah. Let's just linger on these games for a few minutes. Cause they're, they are so such good ones. And that would, that would be the last matchup. And I'll probably hit you up for maybe a playoff prediction here. See, I actually think that Kentucky Penn state game is also going to be pretty low scoring. you know, Kentucky, yes. Kentucky really has gone literally a whole season without being able to really figure out how to, play, how to have a passing game, except against lower level opponents and Penn State has sneakily become a better defensive team than an offensive team it was a transition this year that if you weren't paying close attention because you saw McSorley and Barkley last year you might not have realized that Penn State is actually a better defensive team this year yeah and even you know people might look at the score of the Michigan game against Penn State and Michigan blew them out but that was like 14 nothing late in the third quarter 
Uh, Penn State's defense actually played well for much of that game. It was just the offense was such a mess. McSurley clearly wasn't healthy. So, again, I think that's the difference, though. You're right. I, I think it will be low scoring. Josh Allen from Kentucky is just a phenomenal player, one of my favorite players of college football. And we know they can run the ball with Benny Snell. Uh, but So I, I think the fact that Penn State's passing game has more potential if McSurley is healthy, and I think he, you know, the career he's had, I think he goes out on a high note and Penn State wins a pretty close game. Let's talk about Mississippi State here, which is, has one of my favorite things in college football this year. And that is Mississippi State, when they play teams that aren't quite as good as Mississippi State, they are Alabama. They, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they kill teams. And I'm not saying just bad teams, but even teams that are just like sort of a little below them. Right, like like Ole Miss, like they didn't just beat Ole Miss; they beat the brakes off of Ole Miss. But when they play teams that are sort of like at their level or better, they can't score any points. They are so bizarre. And as you tell me, you give me your little uh, shtick on Mississippi State. I'm going to unearth my favorite stat about Mississippi State. Mississippi State in its, in November it gave up 36 total points. One of those games was a 24 to nothing loss to Alabama. They gave up three to Ole Miss, six to Arkansas, three to Louisiana Tech. Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons lead that you know an incredibly good defensive line. So they're a strange team to watch this year. Sometimes they've they've looked good on offense if, if Nick Fitzgerald's running, but it, you know otherwise if it's if he's facing a good defense, uh, I don't like the chances of the Mississippi State passing game. But I, I think Mississippi State will win this game because they have the better defense. Right. So Mississippi State in games that it has won averages seven point four eight <laughs> yards per play. That oh makes God. you elite, right? That 7.48 yards per play, just to put in perspective, is kind of what like West Virginia averages, right? In losses, Mississippi State averages 3.63 yards per play, <laughs> which would be sort of like worse than UTSA. That is incredible to have that kind of split. And it, listen, you're always going to be better in your wins than your losses, and obviously, for you, you know, to have that stat would be really meaningful. You need a team that loses several games and wins several games. But it is fabulous. It's a fabulous stat, and it is completely... sixteen points in the four losses. Yeah, it is totally <laughs> wild how well this team has played when it has won. And you can't just discount it as well. They're just beating bad teams because they beat Arkansas worse than Alabama beat Arkansas. You know, they they just crush these teams. That they beat aren't... Texas A and M by fifteen. They beat they beat Auburn by by fourteen. So they have a couple of solid wins there too. They do. They absolutely do. But they are fabulous in their wins, and they are awful in their losses. And my guess is they will probably beat the Dickens out of Iowa. Quite frankly, I, I just like Iowa was pretty good, but I have a feeling that this is one of those teams where Mississippi State will be able to do what it does, like just run the ball really well, and that will be too much for Iowa. All right, back to the Bulls. I'm so fascinated by Mississippi State's year. I had to go off on them a little bit. We have to talk about UCF and LSU. You know, LSU's Greedy Williams, the cornerback, has already announced that he is leaving after this season. He has not said he won't play in the bowl game, I don't think. But you'll probably have, I'm going to guess you're going to have one or two key LSU players who don't play in this bowl game. Right? I, I think it's fair to guess that you might have that. And a situation where LSU might be a little bit in the situation that Auburn was last year and not totally on board with this bowl game. What do you think happens with UCF this year? I do think there is a difference between between Auburn and LSU last year. That Auburn had lost in the SEC championship game. You know, They thought they had playoff hopes. Um, whereas you look at LSU, I think you know 
I don't know how many people expected them to be in a New Year's Six game. So maybe there is something there. They got to go to Arizona. It's against a group of five team. They're probably not thrilled with that matchup. They probably prefer to play Michigan. But I, I, and I do hate to pick against UCF because I've done it before and it backfires. I thought they were going to lose last week. Uh, and they come through and had that, and Mac came through with a fantastic second half uh, to, to beat Memphis. So, but without Milton in the bowl game against the LSU defense, and now, as you said, we don't know who's going to be playing on that LSU defense. I lean toward LSU, mm-hmm. but um, USC, UCF has proved me wrong several times before, so I would not be shocked if the Knights win that game. Yeah, listen, I thought Memphis might get him without Milton playing, and Mac was spectacular. Now, again, Memphis yep. doesn't play the type of defense LSU plays. You're right, LSU is not walking into this after a disappointing conclusion to the season. LSU is walking into this thinking it had a good season. Uh, it would have been far more interesting to have UCF play Florida and have that thing work out the champion of the state. Uh, who do you like in Mississippi State, Iowa, by the way? Mississippi State. I think I, I think it'll be like by 10 points or so, pretty low scoring, but I just think they're – I don't see how Iowa can move the ball against the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Did you give us a pick in Penn State, Kentucky? I'm going with Penn State, I think, just because the potential of their passing game, if Trace McSorley is healthy, which he looked to be health, more healthy than he had been when they blew out Maryland in the season finale. Yeah, and, and just getting back to UCF for just a moment, it's it, you know, you're, it, it's such a weird deal to not necessarily... I would like to see them win this game to a certain degree because it's kind of cool to pull for the underdog, and, and especially with Milton out, for them to pull together and win their conference without Milton and then to possibly win this game for him would be a really cool story. They would be up to 26 games, yes. uh, victories in a row. I, I believe it's they're the 27th team in the history of college football to win at least 25 games in a row. Everything that they have done has been so tremendous and noteworthy and worthy of all the praise. But, you know, it's just... It's also hard to sort of be inundated with, hey, we deserve the playoff, we deserve the playoff from their fans, and they just get on you so much that it's unfortunate. It's like you want to be, you want to like love the underdog here, but part of you is like, you know, enough already. Yeah. And well, one fact I want to point out here, too, that as we're talking about Penn State and UCF here, uh, the last team to go undefeated and untied in back to back seasons and not win the national championship. Penn State, 1968-1969, when uh, the second one, Richard Nixon famously crowned Texas the national champion. And that's the last team that is, if UCF wins this game, it'll be back-to-back undefeated, untied seasons without a a national championship, despite what UCF might be claiming. (laughs) And it was back in the late 60s that Paterno was calling for a playoff back then. Yeah, because yeah. of that, he and he is he was always a playoff proponent. He was calling for it back then because he felt like the Southern schools and the Midwestern schools were getting all the attention, and he got and he got left out. So we'll say, listen again, it would be very cool for UCF to keep keep winning these games. I do think this is a little different task uh, dealing with that LSU defense without Mackenzie Milton, but it'll be an interesting game, and I think it might be the most interesting game of that day. Let's hit. The Rose Bowl, Washington, Ohio State, which sounds like a Rose Bowl, man. Like, that sounds like a— it's great. A, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is going to go on there? I mean, I think Ohio State is just a far better team. I even said, like, I think Ohio State could be in the playoff. Like, I, I think I would have endorsed that. Uh, it's been a tough year for Washington to really get its offense going, but its defense, it, its defense led by its secondary is very good. What do you like there? Washington's defense is fantastic, really, really good, but so is, that's exactly what we said about Michigan. 
And we saw what Ohio State did in that game. Um, you know, I, I think if you pressure Dwayne Haskins, he, he still has some some issues. But, you know, we thought Michigan was going to get pressure on him, and, and he played a fantastic game there. So I just think, we, you know, Ohio State's obviously had some problems on the back end of its defense. But Washington, you know, is not as dynamic as re- at receiver as it has been in the past. Um, its offensive line, I don't think it's as good. So I just think Ohio State's the more talented, better team. And, and um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a case where, oh, they got left out of the playoff and they're not going to be motivated. I think they're going to go out to the Rose Bowl, which they, you know, they have not been there much. Despite all their Big Ten dominance, they have not been there much. And I think they're going to go out and, and they're going to pull away and win this game. Again, it's you'll have to see who's playing. I, my guess is it, I think that's going to be an issue. And maybe we'll we'll end with that after we talk yeah. about the Sugar Bowl. But I think that might be an issue for with all these big teams. So Texas and Georgia, this has been without question the first time in a while you can say Texas forget the word back, but Texas has made clear progress. You can see where this is heading and it's heading in the, it seems to be heading in the right direction for Tom Herman. There's no reason to believe that Texas isn't on the right trajectory. So let's put that aside. Texas doesn't look like it's up for a Georgia right now. Probably not. I do do like Tom Herman in these spots, you know, over the years, if they're going as an underdog, (laughs) um, a lot of time to prepare here. Maybe Georgia's, you know, thinks it deserves to be in the playoff. I think Georgia is the clear-cut better team, but I wouldn't be surprised if Texas gives them gives them a good shot here. I think I I, I like this matchup. You know, Georgia versus Texas just sounds like a a, a great Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do think Georgia is you know everybody arguing that Georgia is one of the four best teams in the country. I think it probably is true in the way that they've you know the way that Jake Fromm has played, the way that they can run the ball. You know, their defensive front is not as good as it was last year, but we saw them get plenty of pressure on Alabama onto a tongue of Aloha in the SEC championship game. So, you know, Texas is absolutely making strides. As I said, I like Herman in these spots, but I still think Georgia is the better team and that will ultimately prevail in the game. Yeah, and last thing just to wrap up bowl season because it's going to be a consistent theme here is, listen, we've already had Rashawn Gary say he's not playing in his bowl game uh, with Michigan. Now, he's had a shoulder issue for a lot of the season. And Oliver's had a knee issue for a lot of the season. He will not be playing his bowl game for Houston. Uh, Oklahoma State came out today, Mike Gundy, and said Justice Hill and one other player whose name now escapes me will not be playing in the bowl game. So this has now become not just a, a, something that happens occasionally. This has become a full-blown trend. I would be surprised if we didn't end up with a dozen players who sit out bowl games. This is just the way of the world, right, Matt? Yeah. And, you know, you make, make your business decision. I would like to see as a college football fan, I would like to see these guys play in the bowl game because, hey, I want to see them play another game with their college team. But do what's best for you. I'm not going to ever really criticize these decisions. So um, it just adds a, another strange dynamic. And this is a, and you know what it also does for, for fans of individual teams this year is the new redshirt rule uh, where you're we're going to see some of these top players you know, not playing, but we're also going to see maybe a glimpse of the future and some freshmen getting more of a chance in these bowl games too, because they can preserve the red shirt. So it's just the, the dynamic on these teams has definitely shifted a little bit in some of these bigger games. Yeah. It, it will put a strange, it will put a different spin on the bowls in general. The more you have these key players not playing, I think you'll still have conferences waving their bowl flags, but really the results of the games might be a little less meaningful going forward 
but they could still be entertaining. And you're right, if you're a fan of that team and you get to see that young player get a little more exposure, I think that may be what the Bulls, the sort of side note to the Bulls and what they could end up being is, oh, who are our breakout stars? Who are our guys who are giving, who are we getting a glimpse of that could be the next play? I mean, that's always been the case with the Bulls to a certain degree, but maybe that becomes more the case now when we see that player who could have redshirted and he gets a more prominent role. So I think that could be a theme of the bowl and the result itself might not be as telling as it used to be. Yeah. And you know, I think you touched on it too. It's, you know, bowls have always generally been kind of exhibition games. Yeah. The results matter, but you know, for a long portion of college football history, the polls were finished before the bowls. They didn't even matter for the national championship. And, you know, obviously the, the teams want to win. You want to end your season on a high note, but you know, these are also kind of just fun exhibition games in some respects, too. So um, and we've seen some teams, you know, Stanford didn't have Bryce Love and won its bowl ga- or didn't have McCaffrey and won its bowl game a couple of years ago. Um, so, uh, you know, I it'll maybe it'll hold some teams back, but I, there's still a glimpse of the future and still a chance to end on positive notes and still going to be a lot of fun games, regardless of a dozen or so players sitting out. I don't know if I'm going to see you at the national championship game or a semifinal game, but I am counting on you matt to watch at least a few minutes of every single one of these bowl games it is my job and i look forward to absolutely accomplishing that feat yeah i always say (laughs) i'm going to but you know just my travel and things like that inevitably end up missing a couple here and there but i i'm passing that mantle to you matt brown i know you can get this done i will do my best it is my my favorite time of year i love it Matt Brown from The Athletic, he is an AP voter, he is an editor at The Athletic, he knows college football from top to bottom in FBS better than everyone. We have hit on every single bowl game. We will save the college football playoff preview uh, here at the AP Top 25 podcast for later on, but Matt Brown, thanks so much for doing this, and enjoy the bowl season. Thank you very much for having me, Ralph. Now, three and out. First down. There are a lot of really bad college football takes at this time of the year, but number one with a bullet is Notre Dame should not be allowed in the college football playoff because it is not in a conference. Notre Dame plays as many Power 5 teams as most Power 5 conference teams. In fact, it plays more than some Power 5 conference teams. If it makes you feel better, Notre Dame could schedule Indiana State for the first weekend of December, and then it'll have 13 games and have a schedule that pretty much is exactly like Alabama's and Clemson's. Second down, a quick appreciation for Bill Snyder, who retired yesterday as coach of Kansas State. It is hard to overestimate the monumental task he undertook in making Kansas State not just a winning program, but at times a national championship contending program. No major college football team had lost more games than Kansas State when Snyder took over in 1989. It was a Division II program wedged into a conference with Oklahoma and Nebraska. To give you an idea of how great Bill Snyder has been at Kansas State, his career winning percentage in 27 seasons with the Wildcats is over 600. The winning percentage of Kansas State in all games without Snyder as coach is under 400. Third down. I don't have a Heisman vote, but I think mine would go to Kyler Murray in a very tough call over Tua Tagovailoa. They are both fabulous players, but I think Tua's subpar performance in the Georgia game probably swings it in favor of Kyler Murray. 
The other part of it for me, beyond just stats and production in certain games, is I really do think that these two guys are equal college players. Both are extraordinary talents. They're slightly undersized quarterbacks. They'll Murray more so than Tua. If you switch them up, they would be equally successful in the other's offenses. So I give Murray the edge because he's been asked to come through in close games more often. And even though Tua was injured, he picked a bad time to have a really bad game. The margin is really thin, so one game pushes Murray over the top for me. The Heisman winner will be announced on Saturday in New York City. Murray and Tagovailoa will both be there. That's the show for today. I'd like to thank my producer, Warren Levinson, for making me sound good. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm Ralph Russo, the college football writer with the Associated Press. Thanks for listening and come back for more next week of the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast.